This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, will D manage more magnificence at Arbroath? And who'll finish hot and cross as United face Hibs at Easter? Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duthie. Podcasting with me in the studio this week are George Cran. Hello. And Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. And remotely, we have Alan Temple. Hello. How pathetic is that that I've got to, because it's remote, it's like, ooh, this is exciting. <laughs> I mean, He's, it is, there, is a, I mean, there is an element of excitement because uh, we've got a roadworks outside, we've got a baby downstairs. I mean, the interruptions, uh, possibilities are <laughs> well, endless, really. What you could be more interesting this week? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Next week's episode, paint drying. <laughs> anyway, on with the business. My goodness, George. I, first question for George and Bear. Did you do the mandatory thing and send someone a Magnificent Seven tune on <laughs> Saturday night after Dundee thrashed Dakies? I was too busy writing about all the goals. Well, well, I did. <laughs> I did. I seriously did. I was so proud of myself. I managed to get it up and WhatsApped it to my mate. Just not used to actually writing stuff about games like that with Dundee. It's been... It's never happened when I've covered a game at Dundee, winning 7-0. I didn't do the Forfra game a few years back. They were absolutely superb. And and um, Lyle Cameron, just uh, you know, all the Dundee fans were raving about him before, but I think even more so now. Presumably Chelsea have made an £80 million bid for him now, Bear. I don't think it would take that much, John, <laughs> considering he's out of contract in the next couple of months. Um, no, George is right. It was a fantastic, fantastic performance capped by Cameron's uh, show. And I've got to say, you know, Dundee, at the start of the second half, the battered Ackies, and but for a 20-minute spell, they actually passed up three or four uh, very good chances. Didn't look like they were going to score it again. It could have they? been even more, to be fair. And just everything came together on the day, you know, and... Gary Boyer's right, they've been threatening to do that to a lot of teams this season, but they haven't actually managed it. And there's been games where they haven't actually managed to, to shake teams off and it's cost them points. But that one uh, at the weekend, yeah, that's, that's 7-0 combined with Queen's Park's result, you know, just, yeah. you know, set, I think it sent a message that, you know, Dundee really mean business now and it's, it's there, it's in their own hands now. Um, they've got to take it forward uh, with the games they have left. Can they reproduce that sort of win again? I don't think so. I mean, these wins only come around, you know, they're few and far between. Um, you'd like to think that they have got goals in them now, so they mm. do look a much more potent threat the way Boyer has set them up. Um, Zach Robinson, unfortunately, had to go off, I've got to say, after about 25 minutes, George. I'm yeah. 100% on that, so we don't know what he's going to be like. But even, even without Zach Robinson there... Um, they still looked as though they could create chances, which is a great thing, and they're, they're getting goals from all over the park. So yeah, it's it's a big win, but you know they've not won anything yet. It's one game. They've got to regroup, and and I've got to say, Tom, looking at, at the games they've got left, I think Saturday's is going to be the toughest game of the season they've got left. Yeah, yeah. I, I really do feel that. I feel that, that, that you know the way our both can make life really difficult for you. But done, you've got to go there with confidence. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, George, you look at it. 
on paper it's all fallen fallen into place. They've hit form. As Bear says, Saturday's a tough one because Arbroath are still battling for survival. But there's next few games after that. There's reason to believe the other team will. I'll have its mind on something else, whether it's Wraith thinking of the, the summer holidays, Inverness thinking they've got a Scottish Cup semi-final right mm. after they face Dundee, whereas Queen's Park have tough games. So it's all going to go wrong, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, possibly. But I, I think um, Bear's right in terms of they haven't won anything yet. They're still second, sitting second. Uh, but that game in hand is coming up quick. Uh, obviously, play it at our both on Saturday and then they've got Wraith Wraith on Tuesday night at Dens Park so this is a this is a big week uh, in in the season and obviously Queen's Park are at Partick this on Friday which will be a really interesting game to see how they react from uh, two defeats on the bounce and the pressure that Dundee have suddenly put on them uh, as well um, things went all Dundee's way at the weekend on top of this winning 7-0 Queen's Park going to get beat at Wraith Um and then it just shows the way the championship is. Hamilton get thumped seven on Saturday, and then go and beat Wraith Rovers, who beat top of the league just a few days before. It's, it's going bizarre. To say, did the events of the last week or so show what a crazy uh, championship it's been this season? Because here's our growth of beating two of the top three. Mm-hmm. Hope, so hopefully, they don't make it a hat trick. Hamilton get annihilated, and then come from a goal down to beat Wraith, who've just comfortably beaten Queen's Park in their previous game so yeah. it's just it's, it's a bizarre league isn't it, it yeah it shows you get given nothing in the championship um, but Dundee have shown in the past couple of weeks that they can take everything from, from the opposition in, in terms of the the way they've been attacking the last couple of games because uh, they were very they're probably in terms of an overall game performance the air game was probably a better performance than Saturdays but Saturdays they, they took their chances and they they were really clinical uh, at the times that mattered. They got an early goal, they then backed up with another goal and then two goals right on half-time absolutely killed Hamilton and, and, and there was no real, there was no way back at 4-0, obviously. Um, and then they put the icing on the cake at the end. Um, it was good to see Kwame Thomas as well come on and get a goal. I think that's really positive that um, Gary Bowie has another attacking option um, because... Thomas made a decent impact at the start in terms of the physical presence and he was a target man but it never looked like he was going to get many goals. But Was that the bizarre concussion from the Morton game where he looked like he fell on his shoulder? Yeah, and then, then he had to go to the hospital uh, and then it seemed like he was okay. Um, went through all the protocols and, and got it all clear and then he was on the bench I think the next game or the, or the week after anyway and came on, on for the last couple of minutes against Inverness but then had some more symptoms after that game um, and so they're a bit worried about that and it took five weeks in the end for him to come back that was, this was his, his return from that lengthy concussion so it's good to that he's got had something to be really positive about getting back in the pitch and I, I get the feeling they may need him at the weekend we've got a press conference this afternoon after we record and we'll find out if Zach Robinson what kind of shape he's in because it was a really sore one he took uh, in the first half against Aki's, I heard heard the noise from the uh, the contact from the press box, and it wasn't a nice sound, I have to say, when they clashed heads. Um, and he was a bit shaken up. 
Kerry has said he's, he's, he's okay, but they'll just have to wait and see how he goes. I get the feeling that they might need Kwame Toms um, for longer than they did on Saturday. But that's, that's good timing, I think. If, if Robinson's not quite right for this game, then they've got a ready-made replacement in them. Yeah, I mean, Alan, you've... In a past life, you've seen plenty of the championship, and it is a big thing if you're a team, even without one of your strikers, that, that as Dundee have right now goals from several areas of the team, because I often think you, there's good, solid, solid, honest pros in the championship, but teams a bit down the league can struggle if there's more than one danger point. Yeah, covered the championship in a past life, just hoping it's not in a future life as well. But no, you, you make a... coming up that later, No, you make a, a fine point. And the, Dundee have had that for a, a great deal of this season, the ability to score goals from all over the park. We've tended to be talking about the failure of strikers to be um, prolific uh, through this season, but they've always done a bit. You'd always back Dundee's centre-halves Ashcroft and Sweeney to come up with a big goal and a big occasion. Um, Lyle Cameron, um, I mean, probably best to stick the handbrake on there and, and, t- and talk about him because uh, his reputation is just going absolutely through the roof now. Mm, and yeah. George would be well placed to, to answer this one. But, I mean, does there come a point where his progress has outstripped Dundee's anticipation of his progress to such an extent that it makes him ripe for... People looking in and thinking, do we? Can you know? Is it worth snapping this kid up? Is it worth having a real go at him? Because he is absolutely flying right now, and he looks like he's got all the potential in the world—a proper modern, between the lines attacking midfield mm-hmm. player who just seems to have, for such a young man, seems to have a right knack of being in a, getting in good positions in the box. And and if he can add that clinical aspect to his game and that composure in front of goal you're looking at a boy that's surely worth taking a risk on. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not here to like sell Dundee's players or anything, but, you know, you do... You're I, doing a good job. <laughs> there's, there's part of me that's wondering, I mean, George, does there come a point where, where he's maybe um, attracting interest? I, I, undoubtedly, I would think just his goal record is on 12 goals in all competitions. A um, couple of things where I think teams in the hard division may take pause and and, and I hate the argument that in terms of his size, but because he's such yeah. a kind of diminutive figure, and he's shown this season that you really need to play him in the middle. Um, he, he does okay out wide, but if you want to get goals and, and really get the best out of him, then playing in that number ten, or he's been playing as a normal central midfielder in the last couple of games and done really well. Um, and he's in terms of his goals. It, it's not a big criticism, but obviously they scored plenty, but they've all been against uh, the bottom teams Hamilton. in the league or lower <laughs> league. Yeah, he's scored five against Hamilton this season. Um, so he's still to he's still to kind of so wait, 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 pause this program. We're going to have a we're going to have a ceremony now. George has joined it. He's now an honorary Dundee fan. <laughs> Even I'm not that miserable, George. No, <laughs> I'm just saying that he. Um, there's a there's a, a next step I think to be, to be taken and and I've no doubt that you'll take it in terms of scoring big goals and big games I think that's to come particularly this season because um, he's he's got he's really got his head screwed on it when you speak to him he, he speaks really well he's really confident in himself um, we did ask him but his, what his contract situation was when we spoke to him after the game on, on Saturday and he was um, 
so, so he quickly laughed and said no comment but it, it didn't strike me as, as someone who was who was leaving if you know what I mean he, he was yeah. he, I think he was he was wanting to hear from the club and, and get a, a, a grease well it didn't say anything along that lines but the feeling I got that he wasn't desperate to get away um, and it's a good place to keep him I mean he's come through the system there obviously knows knows everybody and he's playing really well if Dundee are moving up to the Premiership as well it's, it might just be the perfect progression for him as a player to be because this is his first season in the Championship he's, he's played lower leagues on loan previously and it's progression might just be perfect for him but it's up to Dundee to put the contract on the table I would say yeah, it, the, it's the modern problem now as George says and I, I agree with him from a football point of view perfect place for Lyle Cameron next season would be Dundee in the Premiership but he's a young man he might want to buy a house and a nice car if a club from down south comes calling the money yeah. that they're offering mm-hmm. he's, and he's not going to be a first team player the other thing that sometimes strikes me as well is does his lack of inches maybe favour him because an English club might say well we're going to have to bulk him up a bit let's get him now mm-hmm. and work mm-hmm. on that for a couple of years and, and get him in because that, that's every yeah. player that's ever gone to England at a young age that I've spoken to about it one of the things I've always said is oh first first six nine months I was in the gym four mm-hmm. afternoons a week because yeah. mm-hmm. they want you bigger uh, down there yeah absolutely I mean th- there is that and that, that's you know I'd hate to see his development stall because he goes down south and doesn't appear mm-hmm. you know in a first team somewhere and get game time and I think that you know he seems to have his head screwed on somewhere you're right if, if somebody comes in with money that football careers are short you never know what's yeah. in the corners a life changing money for him You'd be foolish not not to take mm-hmm. that. In terms of his development, would it be the right move at the right time? If you look at him now, if Dundee are playing in a game that becomes embroiled in a midfield battle, Lyle Cameron will lose that battle because he simply does not carry the physical mm. aspects yeah. to get by in a game. What Dundee have got done at the moment, and they've stuck him alongside Jordan McGee, who seems to be the perfect foil for him, who who can you know win the majority of the, the balls in there, and when it breaks, Cameron's very quickly onto it, and he can play. When he gets the ball at his feet, he finds space, he can play perfect passes, and as he's shown recently, you know, throughout the season, he can take a goal as well. And that's what yeah. makes him so attractive. Mm-hmm. So attractive to people who are coming in and having a look at him. And and plus the fact when they get to Dens and find out that he's out of contract in the summer, he becomes even more attractive. Yeah, because there's a UEFA formula. In there. terms of his size, there is no doubt he needs to bulk out. We spoke about the a comparison that Gary Boyer made by Barry Bannon and I still see that comparison Barry mm-hmm. ba- look at Barry Bannon Barry Bannon is, is you know isn't the biggest but if you look at him he's physically strong yeah. and Cameron's got to get to that point yet and I'm sure that will come in terms of you know his development physically but in, in terms of other clubs looking at him I think George is right I think that you know they will look at his size and say he's not he's not quite ready for that move that's mm. why next season in the Premiership it could be the ideal stepping stone for him to go and show if he can play at a higher level against more physical players and tougher opponents and still prove that he can do it then I'm sure there'll be more people knocking at his door but you look at another comparison with him and Josh Mulligan and that's yeah. why more more people coming to look at the Dundee team were probably more interested in Josh Mulligan yeah. than Lyle Cameron at this point in time Funnily enough, I I was watching one of the England games, I can't remember which one it was, in the Euros recently, and Stephen Gerrard was on the panel, and 
Bellingham came across uh, to be interviewed and Gerard said he's ahead of me at his age because physically he's much stronger than I was at 19. Mm. And it, 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 it is a huge thing and it's what I think. If you wanted a player now for a team, you would maybe go with Mulligan. But I, I just wonder now, mm -hmm. they've got their under-23 teams down south and stuff like that. I wonder if somebody will come in and say, this is a boy we can we can work on for a they couple are, of years and you, maybe you, loan him yeah, out. You know what it's like? These teams are prepared to gamble and yeah. gamble big stuff. You know, offer a, a big, big contract mm -hmm. and take the gamble that somewhere down the line, they will get him in their first team, by which point that value increases tenfold, Tom, if you're talking the championship or even the premiership. Right. And the compensation fee they would have to pay Dundee because he's under yeah. 23, it wouldn't, it wouldn't no, phase them at all, would no, it? No, absolutely not. And a, a, a problem Dundee my, my experience have. of these compensation fees too is it's, it's, it's a wee bit like a cabal. Clubs don't yeah. quite, they don't quite offer what the UEFA formula says because yeah. there's, there's two or three clubs in it. I think there's a wee bit, a nod and a wink here and if it's 400,000, they'll come in with 200,000 and say, well, do you want to take that? Yeah. Hmm. Nobody ever Somebody wants to actually go to a tribunal. No, no. And uh, they'll get their way. But, I mean, the, the great thing for Dundee is, George, they've got him just now exactly. and he's on fire. And he is. He's, yeah, I mean, I was having a look back through all the record books. He's the... Well, I don't know. Have you been reading any of this stuff this week, Tam? I might be able to quiz you on who the last <laughs> non... Uh, <laughs> who the, the last... Oh, so who how many it? years did you sit beside me? I mean, <laughs> this week? My, yeah. my idea of research was 15 minutes before I had to leave the office for Fair a enough. press conference. <laughs> right. Well, can you name the last uh, Dundee player to score a hat-trick? Because I, I forgot this one. It wasn't... It was only... It was during the pandemic. During the pandemic? No. Osmond So scored a hat-trick down at Palmerston. Uh, Who do we place at Palmerston? Yeah, we'll not mention it. Um, <laughs> the last Dundee player who wasn't a striker to score a hat trick, and we're talking 1980s. 1980s. Stuart Rafferty, he scored a few goals from mm. midfield. It was John Brown. John oh, that should have done a disservice. And the last Dundee youth product to score a hat trick, which was 2011. Jerry O'Driscoll. Steve Milne. Was it? Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, it doesn't happen very often uh, in league games. In terms of the, the result, I mean, Dundee's best league result since 1977. Just tells you how big a win this was. Who was that against? Falkirk away. I wasn't there. No. No. What more can I tell you? I don't know. I can't actually think. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen them score seven. They scored something against Forfra in the cup a few weeks back. Yeah, a I'm, few I'm years reeling back. from this this quiz that was just sprung on us and made us all. Look <laughs> I know exactly. It's, it's, no it's, really it's, it's particularly embarrassing for Tam and Bear. I'm okay, but I think there's a, there's a feeling <laughs> of me reeling in the room. It's, it's quite tricky. It's a, it is yeah. a terrible thing, but see if you look back on uh, my memories of Dundee in the Championship. Obviously, there's a couple of promotions in there that I can remember, <laughs> but most of them are the games where it went wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I can yeah. even I remember. Do you remember a game against Montrose that finished nil nil that cost them dear in the days of Billy Perry and Eric Sinclair? Yeah, possibly and stuff like that. Possibly that, 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 that is, they that stick in, I'm mm. afraid they stick in my mind. It says something about the psyche of a Dundee fan. <laughs> I think the thing was on, you know, we spoke about it earlier, Dundee thrash Hamilton and people are looking and say, ah, it's only Hamilton, but then Hamilton bounced back ah. instantly 
well, a result against Wraith. And it, like I said, against a team that's had a yeah, great result at the yeah, weekend. Yeah, it just, it just shows you the nature of the championship. And that's what that should set alarm bells ringing for Dundee and Gary Boyer. And I'm sure Gary Boyer will, will, have, will have, have his team well well prepared for this this game at Gayfield on Saturday because it's massive. Helmets, combat jackets. <laughs> I watched our growth last Friday. Yeah. Tough, tough team. Yeah, they're, they're not the sort of In team... In the right way. Yeah, they're not the sort of team for me that you want to be going behind to because they look very well drilled. They've got two of the best central defenders in the league, in my opinion. I know they're a part-time club, but they work really well together. Yeah. They, they take up very good areas in the box. When balls are going in the box, you very rarely see Tam O'Brien or... Uh, uh, is it Little? Ricky Little. R yeah. Ricky Little. Outside that six-yard box between the yeah. posts, they're there, the win-headers. Um, so they make it very tough. I'm glad to see, and they've got. It's, it's not just them. I'm, I, I've got to say, I'm sorry for the lad, Colin Hamilton. That, you know, he's, he's out for the season, mm. I think, but he tends to score against Dundee mm -hmm. on a he's few occasions. He yeah. and he's a decent defender as well, so he'll be missing. But they've got other good players as well. You know, Michael McKenna is a, a very, very clever player in the championship. Um, guys like Ryan and Dow, you've Dale, always got Dale 10 Hilson. or 15 minutes of Bobby, Bobby Lynn at Lynn. the end Bobby Lynn, who, who if they're ahead does exactly yeah. what he should do yeah, mm. yeah. He's, a, he's a clever man he's, I mean people say the Dundee bin man but when he comes on the park he normally puts when he plays against Dundee turns it to be the Dundee Ronaldo some of the goals yeah. he, he, he picks out but uh, yeah he's had a fantastic career Bobby Lynn hasn't he um, even though he's at the latter stages but mm. I'm hoping that Dundee have enough in the tank. I'm hoping that the wind doesn't blow too hard, which would make it, you know, it always makes it tough down at Gayfield. It's tough at the best of times, but I'm, I don't really want it to become a lottery because I don't think that would suit Dundee because Dundee, be, are, are, you know, they they're really are playing well, but they know they're going to be in a game and to get anything from that game, they're going to have to produce another top performance. One thing Dundee will have that other teams often don't have going to Gayfield is, especially after last week's result in their league position, big support. Yeah, the, the tickets are flying out the door at the moment, I think. They're expecting... That's just the wind. Every time you open the door at Gayfield, <laughs> something flies out the door. Uh, the, the main stand at, at Gayfield very quickly sold out, and it looks like it's going to be... Because obviously, Abroth are in probably their, their best run of the season. One of the last two games, I think they drew the previous four. Um, and suddenly they're looking like the old Arbroath that we knew before. Yeah. And it looks like it's going to be getting towards 5,000, I think. At Gayfield on on Saturday, it's. I'm really looking forward to. It, I have to say, um, hopefully the wind, as you say, the wind machine's not turned on, and we get a good game of football. But it's going to be a good day, I think. Good day out. And are you ready for the normal 25 minute trip along the coast, taking an hour? <laughs> I'll get there early. Be fine. Yeah, that'll be a first for you. I know George. it will be. I'm saying that it's not going to happen. I think we should actually point out this juncture as well that um, while George is trying to bring them down, <laughs> Gary Boyer was named Manager of the Month for March. It wasn't. Did he barely had any games in March? <laughs> <laughs> but they did well in them. Um, and I, I think let's not go. Let's not go down the road of quit. It was obviously a sound decision by a panel. I remember once voting for a young player of the month on a panel and it was late in the lunch when we got around to it and it was somebody 
Somebody from Aberdeen and actually it turned out they'd only had 10 minutes on the pitch <laughs> in the league that month. But they'd done well in the cup, it's just the cup that wasn't a qualifying factor. All right. Yeah. So they found a good it. reason for Gary Boyer. Yeah, it's, far uh, be it it's, from it's deserved. It's, I just hope it's not a, a kiss of death as sometimes these awards can be. But somebody yeah. pointed out to me last night he won the award in November and then went on, went through December unbeaten. So hope mm. that's an omen, George. I'm hoping <laughs> it's an omen. What were you saying, Alan? I'm, I was just going to say, yeah. Well, you were on that uh, panel. No, I, 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 I have I have been on some recent panels and far be it for me to suggest that sometimes how good a talker the person is may get brought up. <laughs> so I think it's yes. only natural because you, you do always get an interview with the person that's uh, player of the month and if that person's uh, not a great talker, then oh, maybe that one goal difference between the next in line just isn't quite yeah. enough to get the award. So yeah. uh, these these awards, pinch of salt, but delighted Gary Boyer uh, got yeah. it. Because um, uh, once you get, there's been a, f- a few cases like this. I look at Benedictus getting it for Dunfermline, for example, in a month that he wasn't particularly great in. And I sometimes think that maybe there's an element of, even if the results that particular month haven't been sensational, if there's been a, a bit of progress or if there's been maybe not mm. enough recognition over the course of the season, that can be a kind of a make good, which I think is... Uh, um, you know, sometimes the case. And Dundee, well, Dundee picked up seven points out of nine uh, yep. and two clean sheets in in the month of March. So the oh, so it's a tough league, like we yeah. say. Yeah. I mean, everybody's got a bad result almost every yeah. month. And as well as that, Dundee have been playing under a bit of pressure because they're playing catch yeah. up on Queen's yeah. Park. So it was all they always mm-hmm. the way the fixtures went, Tom. They always seemed to be having to win just yeah. to stay on Queen's Park's tails, and they did it. Yeah, so that, they deserve a bit of credit for that as well. Yeah, and again, I mean, Totten, they're playing under a bit of pressure. Is it a help? Obviously, they've got to win the games. And we've had this debate about, do you just say it's one game at a time? But if I'm Gary Boyer, I'm delighted that we've got our game in hand next Tuesday. Because this this now, you're saying to your players, six points, you're top of the league. You're not what In the past, it's been, yeah, if they win their games in hand... Mm. And their games in hand were spread mm-hmm. o- spread over two months or something like that. But there's a sort of an immediate goal there for them to focus on, isn't there? Well, there is, a, and, the, and the finishing line's in sight as well. As well as sort of games in hand, the finishing light is, the line is just around the corner. So if they can do it, they then they then turn that that pendulum, and you know, they put the pre- real pressure on Queens Park. Queens Park have got a massive game on Friday night. But I'll tell you what, everybody's going Park. This has been playing well. Queen's Park have managed to come up with big results this yeah. season. Mm. They're a good football inside. I don't expect them to go away, um, but it will be a tough game for them. Um, there's no doubt about that. But even if they do win, Dundee still have the advantage, and that's what they've got to remember. Yeah. They've still got the advantage. They've got to go and grasp it. Yeah, Alan, I think Queen's Park, of, if anyone in that league has earned the right this season, that even after two games, reports of their demise are premature, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. They've got good players they've got some big time players guys like Dom Thomas throughout the team there's as well as some of the players they've got from they've, they've actually although they've on the players we've mentioned they've, you know, they've, they pay well for example they have also been smart recruitment and getting the best out of guys you know Grant Savory people like that Thompson you know there's a, a few guys in that squad that aren't necessarily the big hitters that have really kicked on this season and there's no reason to think they're going to wilt they've got enough really big personalities in that dressing room that they're not going to wilt and fade away however what what it should come down to and what Dundee will hope it will come down to is fundamentally squad to squad Dundee are better 
You know, it's yeah. that's not a, that's not me suggesting. I don't think it should be about Queens Park bottling it or falling away because I don't think they'll do that. But it should be about which of these sides has the better, more experienced squad that is more capable of getting over the finish line, and that should be Dundee. Touchwood. There speaks a neutral, boys. We'll take promotion any way it comes. <laughs> <laughs> and Friday's Friday's game, I think it'd be really interesting. Um, both teams, just the way Queen's Park react to to losing a couple of games in the bounce and having that pressure on them, but Partick are still in the mix as well. Uh, if they go and beat Queen's Park, they're only three points off the top. Obviously, Dundee have that game in hand, and, and Dundee might rejoice in Queen's Park getting beat, but it would thrust Thistle back into the mix, and they aren't totally out of it either. Um, so there could be quite a few twists and turns still to come, but it's up to Dundee to start putting the results together and it does feel like they are doing that uh, although I agree with Bear Saturday's a really tough one at, at Roth um, do you think would you take would you even take a draw or would you at the moment what do you think uh, well yeah I think I'll be, tell uh, you after Queen's yeah, Park I mean, that, played tomorrow night well hope that doesn't affect their mindset uh, you know if, if Queen's Park fail to get a victory or, or yeah. they even lose you know you think we'll get a point and we'll be top of the league because you're right you, you could open the door for the likes of Park mm. you could open the door for Air United I think obviously Dundee will be looking at the games they've got coming up at, beyond Arbroath you know two yeah. games in six days at Dens Park after that two games in seven days at Dens Park um, but then it's two games you've got to, you've got to pick up points it's not just yeah. you're sort of looking at games you've got to actually go and physically mm. win these games and as we've seen there is nothing a given in that championship yeah is it almost a help uh, for apart Dundee apart from Cove Rangers sorry <laughs> All right. yes uh, free fall Rangers as <laughs> yeah. I know just now um, by Ewan uh, but <laughs> is it almost a help to Dundee that our growth are, have picked up because Dundee's many of Dundee's failings this season have been against teams near the bottom who have not been playing well and they're expected to beat and maybe that and even Hamilton just won a cup and Dundee beat them yeah. but they went down there when everyone was beating them and struggled and maybe it's just a sign that Dundee's squad under Gary Borey and obviously the additions that came in in January are just he, maybe he's found the the combination that, that's really successful and moving to the four four two has really suited them um, I get the feeling that our both might have a similar kind of setup and it might be a bit of an old school game so it could be entertaining um, yeah, it does feel like everything's come together for Dundee. Obviously, winning manager of the month and all that sort of stuff is recognition of that, but they're looking good. Right, well, time will tell. And time's moving on, so over the road we go. Alan, United, Ibrox last week, 2-0 defeat, no points, but a de degree of confidence still remaining. It was fine. It was dull, it was boring, it was predictable I mean I, I, I get that you have to say all the right things and um, you have to go to Ibrooks with a game plan and a belief that you can get something out of it but let's be honest the gulf between um, Rangers to an extent and Celtic to a chasm uh, and everyone else in the division is palpable it's as big as um, I can recall in recent years so um I said to pretty much, you know, most people that would listen, you know, ahead of the game that Dundee United have improved. They'll be gutsy, they'll be organised, they'll be hard to break down, but they'll lose two or three nil. 
and that is yeah. ex exactly what happened. Um, the goals could have would have been. You can pick holes in any goals, and, and what I would say is, you know, Jim Goodwin rightly pointed out that from a Dundee United perspective, they need to do better. You know, they they were cut through the middle on on both goals, but I mean, perhaps I'm being too kind to the players, but what I would say is, for 90 minutes to stop a team that are constantly have the ball and are constantly probing, and prodding, and trying to find gaps and have the talent to find those gaps to stop them from doing that for 90 minutes is such a tough ask and. Dundee United needed to have more uh, going the other direction. They did early doors. Um, Peter Pollock breaks through on the counter, and if he picks a better pass than Stephen Fletcher, maybe has a tap in. Um, that was a real defining moment and illustrated exactly why Peter Pollock, a fully fit Peter Pollock, could be so important to this Dundee United team. But he then goes down not. after 20 minutes, and you wonder if we're ever going to see a fully fit Peter Pollock playing for Dundee United. Um, it's not fun to, to speculate on the severity of his injury. The, the the scan will come in this week in terms of the results, and, and we'll find out. But what I can say is just it was gutted watching him uh, come off, and I get the frustration of fans, but then you're reading tweets about, you know... Uh, uh, rather less than sympathetic tweets, which I, and I understand the frustration of having a player on the wage bill that maybe isn't contributing as much as they would like, but nobody's working harder than that guy to try and get fully fit. Yeah, and he didn't injure it's, himself. <laughs> yeah, it's it's galling to see his, his you know his body maybe let him down um, time after time. It was his first consecutive start in basically a couple of years, so um, really galling, and it's a shame because he did showcase that he was one of the players that could have been an attacking threat against Rangers and could have been an attack threat going forward into these last few games but as Jim Goodwin said after the game they've not had their injury problems to seek they are you know they've shown progression and there's been you know chinks of light but at the same time you're you're battling then against losing some of your key players Charlie McGrew, Liam Smith, Dylan Levitt, Glenn Middleton, Peter Pollitt these are all experienced senior pros that can make a mm -hmm. difference in premiership games so um if Dundee United do stay up, then they'll have done it against a little bit of adversity. You know, first half of the season, dire, only themselves to blame. Second half of the season, they have been battling against circumstances uh, on occasion, it has to be said. Aye, Peter Pollock, the gamble Robbie Nielsen took when he became United manager that probably didn't pay off, well, didn't pay off in terms of appearances because he had, Robbie brought him up with him from MK Dons and he'd had injury problems mm -hmm. down there but when he plays as Alan says I mean A he's, he's a player you would pay money to watch and I, also yeah. he's effective isn't he yeah well I think he's someone that Dundee United desperately need he's a guy who can carry the ball and, and, and get into get into situations that wins your free kicks wins your penalty kicks gets an, an occasional goal gets assists and you know it was heartbreaking to see I saw the still images coming through and you know, he's almost in tears, the lad going off the park, because, you know, he, he'll know himself what has happened here. And, you know, he still has so much to offer as a, as a footballer. But unfortunately, we've seen it so many times in the past that some people's bodies just aren't yeah. cut out for the rigours of week-to-week -week yeah, professional full football. Um so we we'll just hope that the scan comes back, and it's 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 certainly something that he can recover from. But whether whether that will be in time to play for Dundee United again this season, or play for Dundee United again, even you know remains remains to be seen. Yeah, it, it, is he actually is he out of contract? Yes, this summer. I, 
it's, it's one of those in the end I mean you feel for him because he's a lovely boy too who just wants yeah. to play and mm-hmm. wants to play in a way that fans love to watch but it is a business isn't it and if given his fitness record it's hard to see mm-hmm. what United do in the summer I don't think you've said anything incorrect there and it's not a pleasant conversation or a pleasant thing to speculate on because obviously it's the boys' future but yeah, it's Dundee United one way or the other. We'll be looking at this summer. There's quite a few senior boys out of contract including you know their captain, Liam Smith, a few others and they will be looking at the season that's just gone not gone in at yeah. all the way they wanted to. Who knows what division they'll be in. And the decisions that will need to be made this summer will be tough decisions. And uh, I'm sure, particularly if Peter can't get fully fit and firing before the end of the season, then, um, yeah, that that would be a, a difficult one to um, to make. But at the same time, you would just then hope, as Bear says, he's, you know, it's a, it looks like a hamstring strain. We're hoping it's not a tear. But, you know, it looks, say it's a hamstring strain. You can comfortably get back from that for the start of next season and then you would just sort of touch wood whether it's at Tannadice or somewhere else proper pre-season in his legs and and, mm-hmm. and go again because we forget that he's, he didn't have a pre-season this season you know he was out for nine months and didn't really come back to full training until November and we all know how important you know we, we all speak to players and they all, all talk about how important a good pre-season is so hopefully if he could maybe get back and get a good pre-season under his belt at the very least then um, I, I would hope somewhere, somehow, we would see the the best of Peter because, as you rightly say, he's a he's a he's a top man who is working so hard to get back. On the plus side for Hibs on Easter Sunday, Charlie Mulgrew could be back. Mm. Yeah, that's a that is definitely a positive. Um, you know, Charlie was a wee bit of a uh, lightning rod uh, for for stick ahead of you know uh, Lee, uh, Liam Fox's departure. Didn't you know? Didn't have a good game against uh, Ross County, that's for sure. And uh, that kind of was the uh, nadir of a, a run of fairly poor form. But I think he's looked against um, Aberdeen and against Livingston under Jim Goodwin. I thought he looked back to the Charlie Mulgrew that we we know he can be. He was very good in both of those games. Um, although I think there was still maybe a portion of the fan base that were reluctant to, um, to to acknowledge that. But I thought he played very well in both of those games and just his general. Um, I mean, Jim Goodwin cited this, so it's not it's not my take, but his general um, influence around the place, his experience, his. I mean, Charlie's nothing if not calm uh, when it comes to most situations. So um, having him around on the training pitch um, uh, amid a relegation battle and also on the pitch when things get a bit hairy and your maybe back's against the wall, then uh, he could be uh, someone that's uh, useful to have. I don't know if he'll go straight in the starting lineup because um, the defence hasn't, you know, I, I wouldn't particularly point at defence as a as a huge problem under Jim Goodwin so far. Um, so um, he could perhaps come if they play a back three again. He could perhaps come in for Scott McMahon on that. Um, well, actually, now I'm considering it. You're, it, it would need, you would need to play in the centre. So it was either him or Ryan Edwards. Alan has argument with self. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do you know what? It's, yeah, it's that way that I'm thinking. He's a left-footed centre back. He could play left side of the back three. Of course, he couldn't. It's, it's you know he's 37 year old. Time catches up with us yes. all. So he needs to he needs to he needs to play in the centre. Uh, either him or Ryan Edwards. So it's a that's a nice problem for Jim Goodwin to have. But even even if he doesn't start, I think it's a, a positive that he's an option. Yeah, but I was going to say that, Bear. I mean, Alan mentioned it. The fans have been critical of him, and he, he's had a couple of bad games, a few bad games this season, but you don't do what Charlie Mulgrew's mm-hmm. done in your career and players like him without that ability to come back from yeah. adversity. 
Uh, we're done getting to that at this point in time. I'd have Jack Charlie McGrew in the team. Tom, I've got to say, if he's fit, get him in because you're right. What he's done in his career, the experience he has, you know, he'll be able to even if you know he's he's not doing particularly well with the ball. I would expect him to do a job defensively, but maybe not doing particularly well, you know, knocking the ball other teammates or or, or going forward or anything like that. He has the experience to guide other players through tricky situations, through pressurised situations. Um, and he also has, has, a, has an act of coming up with occasional goal now and mm. again. Yeah. With his head, he's got, uh, a, he's got, got a terrific, terrific, he's got a terrific left foot. Mm-hmm. We know that. Um, you'll, you'll have seen it all before, Tam. Um, so, yeah, that's a, he's the sort of player that I think Dungeon they're going to need in the running. Um, he takes it all on his stride. He, he, you know, he doesn't look as if too much bothers him, but he can still perform at a higher level. Mm-hmm. He doesn't let the pre- pressure affect him in as much as he'd be frightened to play a pass, he'd be frightened to do anything on the party. I don't see Charlie McGrew like that. And I'm, he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't play like that. So It's what they need just now, isn't it? I mean, they, they basically need player, God forbid, but if they're 1-0 down on Saturday, yeah. or Sunday, sorry, they need players. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Say, well, we can still take something from I this game. I think so. And even at 0-0, Tom, I think it's, I think it's important that... It, some players don't actually play until they maybe go goal down. They think the pressure's off now, so we can we can actually we can maybe do a bit more. But see, when it's nil now, you need players who are still prepared to put their foot on the ball, get their head up, and and do what they do in training games and, and try to pick out teammates so they can constructively move up the park rather than just playing quick passes, losing possession, and you find yourself on the back foot too quickly. So, yeah, Charlie McGrew can bring that in his own game, but can also spread the word to others. Say, look, just calm down this is mm. what we've got to do here this is where we're going to play take it easy do what you're good at you're in the team because you're a good player go and do it just in case there's any uh, accusations of plagiarism we'll pay due credit there some play- players don't play until they're 1-0 down that was uh, in a book by Antonio Conte when he was at Spurs <laughs> <laughs> good minds think alike Tom he, that's he, what he, he shouted it though he didn't say it as Carlos <laughs> yeah but it's true, it's true, man. And it, it, it all boils down to pressure. If you're under pressure, some players go into their shell. Yeah. And it's up to the manager to be able to find out who those players are and, and not play them. You need guys who, who, who can still play under pressurised situations. I mean, is that part of being a manager, George, that you need to look at your team? Like Jim Goodwin has to do with United States. It's not been a good season. Things have gone wrong. Who's going to stand up and still fight for a result if something goes wrong in the next game? Absolutely. And I mean, every manager in the land talks about wanting good characters in their team. Um, and it's absolutely imperative in a relegation battle because you're going to, as you mentioned about setbacks, you're going to get setbacks just because of the, the position you're in. The teams that are there are the ones that can handle that. Um Interested to see how Sunday goes, actually, because talking about pressure, it's a different pressure for Hibs, but Hibs are under a bit of pressure as well, and I think that's something that United can maybe look to take advantage of. Um, if you're desperate for points at the bottom of the league, you want to be playing a team that's out of form. They've lost the last three, I think. Um, and they were going for th- yeah. They were going for third place a few weeks ago. Now they're fighting off Livingston, and suddenly they they absolutely need a result, and that, and that adds a bit of pressure, and their confidence will be. Low, if you if you can 
go out and, and really make things difficult for them and maybe grab the first goal, you can put some big, big pressure on them. Um, and you get the feeling at Tannadice, if United can get the noses in front, that the, the crowd will carry them on as well. I think that's a big factor. Um, and looking at the fixtures, I think... Mullowell away will be tough because they've been they've been doing really well under Stuart Kettlewell, but Livingston uh, as well are pretty much out of, out of form. I, I don't think that's the worst uh, three uh, fixtures for United before the split. I think there's an opportunity there for, to get points. And talking about characters, obviously they'll need them, and Jim Goodwin should know by now who the big characters are and who he wants to have in his team. Hopefully they're all fit, as Alanson <laughs> mentioned about uh, injury issues, but that's actually one of the benefits of having Jim Goodwin there. Both he's of an age that both as a player in the latter days of his career and as a manager in Scotland before he came to United, he know he'll know the squad reasonably well. Anyway, yeah, because he would have played against a bunch of them as well, yeah. wouldn't he? Um, I was thinking like some old grew. Yeah, and it. I mean, he'll know. He was the, exactly the type of character you wanted in your team uh, if you were in a relegation battle. So he, he'll be able to like, identify pretty quickly, I would have thought, who had kind of similar uh, attributes as he did as a player. Um, Sorry, I've just drifted away. I've got yeah. this mental element of Jim Goodwin coming into the, coming into the uh, United dressing room for the first time saying, I've met some of you before and Charlie Mulgrew <laughs> rolling to these sort and saying, that scar, that scar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what, I'm just, I'm just thinking about Hibs and you're talking about they're on a bad run of form, but if Hibs mm. are anything, they're absolutely unpredictable. Yeah. Oh, they've been like fair. that all season that, you, you know, they think the manager waiting to get the sack and then, Three weeks later, they're up pushing for a European spot. And he's also he's a manager. He's, if you don't know the score yeah. and you hear him after the game, you think oh, they played yeah. great, and then oh, you yeah. find out they've, they've lost two 0 I know he yeah. is. I think he's been good value for Scottish right. football. He's a bit different. He's a bit different. But they've also there's a couple of other things as well. I think they've got quite a decent record at Tannadice, and they've also got a guy called Kevin Nisbet who yeah, watched the back. season play against Motherwell, and he got three touches in the Motherwell box and scored a hat trick that day. Mm. So he's the sort of boy that you can just never sort of take your eye off for an, a second. And that, that for me, is a danger signal for Dundee United. If they can keep Kevin Nisbet quiet, they'll give themselves mm. a, a good chance of winning that but game. Jim Goodwin as well may have a, a point yeah. to prove yeah. whether the way his tenure at Aberdeen ended at Easter no, Road in that big game. So he, he might have a wee bit of added spice for oh, this if one. United draw Darville in a cup there in for a hiding as well. <laughs> the things that slightly <laughs> <hope> concern <laughs> the things that slightly concern me are we you know we've spoken a lot about mentality and handling pressure and that will absolutely be vital without a shadow of a doubt. But you know, we, we are analysing football matches here and from a purely kind of tactical and how to win football matches Dundee United's <laughs> inability to score goals is a concern. That's yeah. and uh, for all that it's good to have somebody with the character of Charlie back. If if Jim was uh, to pick one position that could be reinforced by players returning, he would have picked the final third. Um, yeah. No Glenn Middleton, no Peter Pollitt. Stephen Fletcher remains the club's only recognised centre forward. It uh, uh, puts a lot of pressure on um, Stephen Fletcher first and foremost, and. 
he needs to, if he gets opportunities, he needs to start taking them. Um, I'm, I'm not speaking out a ton there. I'm sure he would say the very same thing. Um, I'm sure he's happy he's just getting a few opportunities these days, but uh, he needs to needs to take those. And then you're looking at, you know, there's going to be a reliance on boys like Kai Fotheringham. I would expect him to start against Hibs. You know, he's made a good impact since coming back from an unbelievable mm-hmm. loan spell at Sterling Albion. The club are trying to get him tied up into a new contract. And then you're at the stage where if you're looking at making a change to the starting lineup, you know, it's, it's Matthew Kojo or it's uh, Sadat Anaku. And these guys need to step up. You know, it's uh, that's, that's the thing that concerns me. We're now in... You know, full on sink or swim territory with these lads. Um, it's the, one of them um, can make themselves a hero by you know making themselves a real factor in this run in um, because there's not a lot of game breakers in the final third. Even if you were a little bit deeper back, Dylan Levitt's a guy that can cut open a team with a pass. He's yeah. not there either. So there are not a lot of match breakers in that final third in terms of creating a chance or scoring a goal and. Um, it's up to those out with Stephen Fletcher, who we know that can do that, um, to create opportunities. And we've, you know, fascinating to see if if someone can step up. And the other thing that concerns me is, I could see Ross County beating St Johnston on Saturday, um, which is a, a concern. You know, we're at that stage of the so season. That was going to be your your quiz question was good thing, bad thing. Mm, I'd, I'd, United I'd, are playing on Sunday and not Saturday, but I'm, I'm worried about that Ross County game. Yeah, again, it, it's entirely based on the results. They'll either go in it with a massive boost or a bit of extra pressure on their shoulder, but it just, that fixture, St Johnston toddling along happily, knowing they're in the bottom six, but not going to get relegated against a team that are fighting and scrapping and for their lives. And they, you know, did do some good recruitment in January and do have players who can score goals. Um, so... I am a little bit concerned about that, I must say, because... Saw a bit um, of them on Sunday against Celtic, and for a while, yeah. I mean, Celtic were worthy winners. Don't get me wrong, it was never it was never going to change yourself. But with the ball, they gave Celtic a few, a few problems, which I was a bit surprised about. Yeah, and I know that I know that managers rightly say that you can't focus on other teams and you do have to look after yourself, and that, of course, is correct. But when you get to eight games left and it's so tight... There is just no getting away from the fact that your players and everyone, the fans, will look at the other team's results. They, whether it's intangibly or whether it has a, a factor, it's it's there. You can't ignore it. And if Ross County were to win it at McDermott Park on Saturday, the, the pressure around Tannadice would be would be suffocating. Yeah, because we should say Bear Bear said last week there will be a. A result that raises eyebrows and Kilmarnock did it. Is it a two? They're now six points ahead United after beating Hearts last weekend. Is it a battle for automatic relegation or playoff for United in Ross County? I've got to say, I think Kilmarnock will, will do enough to, to, to keep their heads above water. Uh, whether they can keep themselves out of the playoff, I don't know. I think, you know, that's... That might be another another matter, but uh, I think that you know they've got a great advantage with the plastic pitch at Rugby Park. They seem to pick up points, and, and, and you can see them you can see them doing that in the eight games they've got left. I'm not sure how many they'll have at Rugby Park, but I'm sure that, you know I would, I would expect them to pick up you know another six or seven points, which puts them almost as I always say to them. I, th- I think thirty six points or a point a game. Sorry, thirty eight points. I think you would, you would but thirty six points might actually be enough mm-hmm. to, to to keep you above water at this. 
this season. Um, it's tough for United. Yeah, I mean, Alan's right. If Ross County managed to, to, to pull off a win at McDermott Park, it really intensifies the pressure. But that's the situation they are in. Um, they have to look at themselves. They have to find a way to to help Stephen Fletcher up the top end of the park. We've seen Stephen Fletcher score some wonderful goals, but he seems to have too much on his shoulders at this time. Yeah. And I'm sure Jim Goodwin is is working desperately and is trying to drum into the players the tactics that will be used this weekend on how they get more players up the park, how they get... You, you don't score goals unless you've got players inside the box. You'll score a few from outside the box, but if you've got one ball coming at the box and it's only Stephen Fletcher, unless you've got others around them breaking it, you know, breaking it, their neck to get in there for any loose ball that drops, you won't get enough goals. And you need what, goals at this point. What do you do if you're Jim Goodwin? Do, I mean, obviously, Stephen Fletcher, and he'll accept the responsibility. He has a responsibility if he gets a chance or gets the ball in the final third to do something positive with it. But if you're Jim Goodwin, do you say to other players who are not known for scoring, look, get in the box and hit it. If you miss it, it's okay. But if you don't get in the box and you don't hit hmm. it, you'll, you definitely won't score. So don't worry about missing. Just get there and hit it at the goal. Is that is that really the best thing you can do? Just go back to basics. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that because you can always pick up a corner or, or what have you. And United do have threats from corners, whether it's Ryan Edwards mm-hmm. or, or you mentioned Charlie Mulgrew. Um even just to take pressure off players who might think, oh, I've got to score here. And if you're not a natural goal scorer, it's, yeah. and you think you've got to score, it's difficult. But just mm-hmm. say, look, get in there and shoot. And even if you don't score, sometimes it can lift the crowd if it's a decent effort or, or they're starting to show that the team's actually doing something in the attacking thing. In terms of the boys that are missing out, I think Glenn Middleton's the big one for me that's it's yeah. been the big miss. Um, I'd really like to see him back. I'm a big fan of his. Um, three was weeks? Three weeks. It feels like a long time, Alan, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And, uh, you know, Jim said initially, you know, hopefully about three weeks and then said, you know, hopefully can make a big impact in the, after the split. And I think that was the, the undertone of that. You know, three weeks might seem like a long time, but if we can just get a key player back for that bottom six run, that is what's going to define their their season. I mean, it's interesting what you're saying there about the shoot on site and back to basics, because I think that's exactly what Jim Goodwin's asked from the team, because you look at his first game against Aberdeen, which they absolutely did not deserve to lose 3-1, and they had 24 shots, and mm-hmm. that was the most mm-hmm. they'd had at any game this season. So I think that message is exactly what's been, what's been put through, you know, and I think you'll see the same again in terms of get the ball wide because the wide areas is where Dundee United do have an attacking threat through Aziz Behic whip crosses into the box Stephen Flet- aim for Stephen Fletcher even if he doesn't get ahead or on goal if Jamie McGrath Kai Fotheringham can get in the box maybe they get you know something falls to them but you know yeah. get bodies in the box get balls into the box and then go from there you know it's not it's not tiki-taka football, but it's effective football, particularly in the Scottish Premiership. And um, it's just about whether or not Dundee United have the players in the final third. Third to when opportunities fall, when the ball breaks, are they clinical enough to take those chances? Because they haven't been so far. And if they can just fix that, if they can just change that, then they've got a chance. Because um, I think that the way that Jim Goodwin's got them playing, organised, set up, and especially the games we've seen at Tanadice, the two matches at Tanadice, they give you enough hope that they're trying to go about things the right way. It's just 
it's just whether they've got the personnel and it's about the personnel in the final third to, to prove that, that they can step up. And moving matters off the park, I see here, finance director Derek Bond to depart in major shake-up. I mean, right now the fans won't care, but I mean, one thing I take about that is obviously Tony Ashkar appointed a lot of people. He's gone. So you would expect a degree of change in the off-field department's it would maybe personally worry me more if there wasn't change because you're like, is Mark Ogren just leaving it because he wants to go as well? The fact that he's changing shows his commitment to the owner's commitment to the club. Yeah, I mean, more will come out in the fullness of time, I'm sure, in terms of uh, whether this was the club looking to go in a different direction or Derek to look to go in a different direction. I mean, it should be pointed out, obviously, that, that I mean, Derek didn't work uh, under Mar uh, Tony Asgard as such so I mean it's not a case of you know yeah. my boss has left so I'm going to uh -huh. leave as well you know they were kind of you know, a sporting director and finance directors head of their respective departments um, so it's yeah I, I think it's um, what it is indicative of is the, the winds of change blowing through Tanadice I think that's fair uh -huh. to say the sporting director's gone new CEO was appointed uh, just you know tail end of last year we've got now the uh, finance director going so of course, if you've served on a board, if you've served at the top end of a football club with these people and they start leaving, start looking at other opportunities, you think to yourself, hmm, is it maybe time for me to move on as well? Yeah. And and you, there is no getting away from the fact that, um, you know, you mentioned fans will probably not care. Fans do care. <laughs> and, the you know, the, the reaction you've, we've had to, you know, just the story going up says that, that fans care. There is a... Um, I just meant is, in the sort of circumstances. Uh, uh, no, right I, I, I know what you meant. I know what you meant. But it's, uh, <laughs> You're so horrible to me. <laughs> but it's, uh, there is a sharper eye on um, yeah. backroom matters at, at Tanadice than there are um, at some other clubs. So it will have been duly noted. And, you know, we've still got interest from, you know, local consortium and buying the club. It should be noted, obviously, no firm offer, no contact with Mark Ogren yet. But there's. there's there's interest there that, that still persists. So it just adds to the degree of interest and intrigue around the, the football club at the moment. And that will only be heightened by what division they are or aren't in next year. And yeah, lots lots of change, lots of interest, lots of... I mean, there's been advertisements for posting commercial and logistical departments as well. There's, you know, there's a lot of change behind the scenes just now mm -hmm. at Dundee United and it will be fascinating from top to bottom to see what that club looks like at, at day one of next season that's what we can certainly yeah. say and just to finish on a lighter note in the most unlikely physical comparison I've ever known former United man Scott Fraser dubbed as Scottish Pirlo after a stunning free kick for Charlton <laughs> I love the fact Hopefully. that Tam says our headlines back at him back at us <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did that. This was one thing I did read this week. I did see it and I did have it. I did have because I, I will reveal a secret about Scott Fraser before we finish. Oh, wow. But, um, well done, Tom. But he doesn't look like Pirlo, so it must, it must have, he must have really stooped. He's about, he's about eight inches taller than him. It's not quite got the hair either. No, he doesn't have the hair. He's got the free kick ability. Well, yeah, maybe he's got a lovely free not kick. quite Pirlo, but that was a lovely goal. He's a, he's a really good player and a lovely lad as well. He's done he's well down south, yeah. Scott. I was going to say that. Uh, he, he's an example to what you can do. You know, he, he made his mind up 
early doors at south south of the border was where mm-hmm. he's wanting to go, but he's had to go and apply himself down there. Yeah. And he, he's enhanced his reputation and you can see that with the moves he's made and um yeah, you always had you always had a wee free kick up his yeah. sleeve, you know, uh, Scott. So yeah, yeah, good on him. I always had to go and a player who we were speaking about um Young Cameron earlier, a player mm-hmm. who took a slightly different route and he went, he stayed at United for a yeah. few seasons, went out on loan Airdrie under Gar- Gary Bolan and uh, said it was just a great learning experience because he was playing with guys who he was playing with men who needed the win bonus. He, irrespective, again, we've been talking about you know I'd mentioned a race thing now their summer holidays. Well, I remember uh, Scott saying uh, boys there were thinking about their summer holidays. They were saying we need to win today. I've got a holiday to pay yeah. for next week and I need the bonus. And it was it was men's football and it, it really toughened them up. And he came back and did a great job. Uh, at United, and he's he's done very well at Burton, Ipswich, Charlton. Now he really has. Yeah, it's a, it's a good. He had a good ground in, and I think it, it, you know, you know, it, it gave him the experience that to get anywhere, and, and it goes for any. It's a great example for anything, any part of working life. You've got to work hard to get anywhere, yeah. you, unless you are absolutely blessed with the gift that you are. You can you, you're a, a wonderful player, but even you know, even at the top level, Tom. All these players that get to the very top, they've had to work incredibly hard. Go back to Dundee, Claudio Canizia. The one thing I saw when he came oh. to Dundee, world-class player, world-class talent. Worked like a beast. But the work rate, the work rate that stood out more than anything for me, you know, and that's, you know, that should be a shining example for anyone. And Scott's obviously had to do that, and fair play to him. He's getting the rewards now, and he's, you know, I'm hoping that he can go on even further. Depends. Sometimes he can get a reputation for himself of doing well. And you can be carried on with a manager. If a manager gets a good move, mm-hmm. he looks back at a player who's done well for him in the past. Scott Fraser could be that man. And I'd like to think he could go even further up the pecking order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You never know. He could end up in the Premiership. Now, <laughs> people might scoff at that, but you just never know. You never know the move that could take place that you could get in yeah. there and, and you could find yourself playing at that top level. So why not? So what's the secret then? I was going to say, and the secret that he did a good job of largely... Keeping secret when he was at Dundee United. He was a big Dundee fan as a boy. Oh no. Great boy. Let it loose. I, used to, I used to put it to him and he used to just <laughs> go, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it, was very, it was a very good way of covering it up. You've just done his chances anyway. of getting back up the road to the Tangerines. <laughs> a, a hell of a lot of damage. Well done there, Tan. <laughs> he doesn't know where I live. It's okay. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>